Welcome to the Project Future podcast for people looking to launch and build their own amazing business. With me, Rob Kerr. A few years ago, I asked myself, how can people considering starting a business be confident they are making the right decision? And how can they improve their chances of success? The answer has become my book titled Project Future, Six Steps to Success as Your Own Boss. A Facebook group called the Project Future Club, where we support each other to launch and build our own amazing businesses. And this podcast, where every Tuesday, a business owner shares their story, including great tips about what to do and what not to do when launching or growing a business to empower you to make better decisions on your own journey. You'll find the show notes and transcripts at robkerr.co.uk. So in these uncertain times, if starting a business could be the right option for you and your family, read the book, join the Facebook group and enjoy the show. Now let's move on to this week's episode. Hello and welcome to episode nine of the Project Future podcast. Before we get into today's conversation with the brilliant Tanya Janka, I'd like to give a big thank you to everyone who bought Project Future on launch last week. We hit number one best-selling hot new release in multiple competitive categories on Amazon and the reaction has just been extraordinary. I'd also like to give a big thank you to everyone who shouted about the book and promoted it to their audience. If you haven't bought it or promoted it yet, why not pause for a minute and do either or indeed both of those things right now. We've had a few consistency of supply issues on Amazon here in the UK, but the book is of course available from all major booksellers. Project Future is also available in print in both North America and Australia, and it's been great hearing from people in both those places who have bought the book and enjoyed it so far. Another highlight last week was being interviewed on six different BBC radio stations across the week. If you'd like to listen back, give me a shout and I'll be able to give you the details of where to find it within BBC Sounds. So on to today's episode. This is a hilarious and brilliant conversation with Tanya Janka. Tanya worked out very early in life that software developers were her people and that that was where she wanted to spend her working life. She really started out by offering to speak at big events in order to get in for free. And after a while, this became her full-time job before becoming her own boss. Tanya explains how she got over the nerves of speaking on stage and how she moved from talking at conferences to creating workshops. She goes on to explain how COVID brought forward her plans to offer on-demand training and how creating an MVP and validating her market was key to her initial success there. A key theme within the conversation is the power of community within the application security space and people connecting and their generosity and helping others to improve. It's the whole spirit of abundance that I like to talk about put into the real world. Tanya goes on to talk about the importance of her book, Alice and Bob Learn Application Security, and why this is vital for not just existing software developers, but for new ones going through university now, and how she sees it as her mission to make this a key part of computer science and software engineering degrees. Her best advice is to make sure there's a market for the thing you want to offer. Let's have a listen. Hi, Tanya. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Rob. You're very welcome. And you were recommended by Glenn Wilson in episode six of the podcast. So I'm delighted to have you here and to learn a bit more about your story. So uh, I wonder if you could start by sharing a bit of your background. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was a software developer forever for around 17 years uh, and took computer science in school and did all the things. 
Uh, and then I um, and then I met an ethical hacker who talked me into switching into security, and I kept wanting to learn and learn and learn. Um, and I discovered that I could get in free to conferences if I spoke. <laughs> so I started okay. submitting everywhere that I wanted to attend, and people started saying yes. And then before I knew it, I was flying around the world, and that was my full-time job at Microsoft, um, representing them at third-party events and eventually at Microsoft events. And then I left them um, just over a year ago and uh, started my own company. I love that. I love how you've gone to get into events and that was your that was your way in and offering to speak and it's such an interesting angle because you know it's it can be terrifying to to, to speak on stage and it, it tends to be something that that people shy away from it's certainly something that's taken me a long time to adjust to and be willing to so how, how was that when you first started kind of attending these events and, and being on the stage yourself okay so I thought the first time I presented that it, I might die. <laughs> <laughs> as as you can see, as evidenced by me being here today, I didn't. Um, <laughs> but I remember my heart was beating so hard. I thought, can they hear that at the back of the room? And is it distracting for them? Because <laughs> it's distracting for me. <laughs> Um, but I was actually a professional um, performing musician in the evenings the whole time I was a software developer. So I play guitar and drums and I sing. And so I would perform like at bars all the time. And so my professional mentor told me, you know, you should speak at our meetup because we um, organized this big community called OWASP and, uh, in our city. And he's like, you know, you should present. And my other professional mentor said, you should present. Uh, and then he ran the B-Sides conference, which is a security conference. And my other professional mentor announced from the conference um, Twitter that I was speaking next year. And I was like, what? And then he like put me on the website. I'm like, but wait, what? And he's like, it's too late. It's on the internet. So we know it's true. <laughs> 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 and so they helped me um, like, refine my presentation like all these different wonderful humans that are part of like the security community reviewed my slides with me and yeah and then I presented it at work and then I presented it at work again and again and again and then yeah I presented it for my community meetup and it was so funny right before I was going to go on I was talking to this nice man named Alex who's in our meetup and he's like why are you nervous don't you understand that we literally love you you're like our mascot you've been leading our community for like four years you're friends with everyone we all want you to succeed he's like if as long as you don't get up there and drool on yourself we'll tell you you did a good job and if you do that we'll say it was okay <laughs> and so that made me feel a lot better realizing that every audience actually wants you to be awesome and they like are very forgiving if you make a mistake and very open. And so then, yeah, after doing it a few times, um, I was like, oh, it turns out I really like this. It's sort of like performing with music, except for I don't even have to like play an instrument and sing at the same time. It's like easier. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Yeah, no, that's that's a great story, and it, it just goes to show, doesn't it? That so you've had those kind of practice runs as well. You know, before going onto the the big stage, there are always steps that that come 
before that you know it's it's not just literally you're just not just thrown on there unprepared oh, no. you know so. no i i spoke at every single meetup in my city before my first conference talk and Brilliant. subjected every single human at work that would sit still <laughs> yeah i love it and you've moved forwards from there of course and and you know what speaking do you do today so well due to covid um i can't travel but that's cool so i speak uh i still speak at lots of conferences actually um and i also now do formal training so that is what my new company does and um that's probably why i got invited on the podcast so it turned out that you know giving conference talks was fun but then I figured out you know I could give a workshop and teach people how to do a thing instead of just talking about a thing Uh, and then people said can we hire you to come in and train our team and I was like oh okay and then people kept asking and then eventually I was like maybe I should start a company doing this because it appears I'm good at it and I really like it and people are willing to give me money this is awesome. <laughs> That's really interesting. So it was almost you almost had that validation from your customers before you were in that space yourself as a business owner. So it's you were kind of comfortable with the with the type of services that you deliver, and yes. that was the motivation for that. I I did have a bit of a curveball though because um, so my original plan was I will travel around the world and give training in person. So I'll speak at conferences and then, you know, visit a bunch of businesses in that city and train them and then come home and do that, you know, several times per year. And so then then COVID started. And so my long term plan was the business for the business was that eventually I would make on demand training so that I could charge a lot less per person so that way more people could have access and so that I could stay home and develop a personal life because I've been traveling so much the past few years. I didn't really have much of a personal life anymore. It was mostly just my professional life. And so COVID happened. And so I had to cancel, oh my gosh, a lot of big contracts. It really hurt. (laughs) Um, But then I was like, I guess I, I start, I start the second part of my business now. And so I I don't know if you've read um, the book, The Lean Startup. I have. Yeah, Eric Race. Yep. Yeah. So I love that book. And with my previous startup, I, I followed that methodology. So for this one, I did the same thing. So I made a minimal viable product. I made just one online course and then I didn't sell it for very much. Um, and then I sold, you know, over a hundred of it very quickly. So I'm like, okay, people are willing to buy courses from me. And the feedback was actually really good despite it being a minimal viable product so then I went and invested in like basically like better sound equipment better video equipment I got a video person who actually like knows what they're doing (laughs) so not just me editing videos Um, and yeah and then we just released our first complete multi-part training program with a certification last Friday, like the final part of it is released. And it's just, it's amazing. It's so exciting to like build. So then like our real product is like much, much higher quality uh, on a much better platform, et cetera, et cetera. And so it's, yeah. it's so exciting to like do all the steps like Eric Rice said, I'm like, look at us go. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. And I, I love how you've, you've adjusted and adapted, you know, when, when COVID hit, 
I'd say mainly in March, wasn't it, that it hit. And mm-hmm. so many businesses were impacted in, in, in that way. And how you say you had the plans to do the on-demand training before then, uh, but it was further down the line and then you've, yeah. you've kind of brought it forwards. And, and uh, yeah, the, the MVP aspect is, is key. And it's something that I, I try and talk about as much as I can, because that, that validation, both from yourself and from the, the audience that, yeah, you're onto something here, it's worth investing further. And, you know, it's, it's an absolute prime example you've, you've shared there in terms of upgrading the tech later and, you know, just getting something out there and seeing if people like it. You know, I think that's a, a yeah. great lesson for people listening. Yeah, we um, we also opened an online community as well. And the place where we had it um, uh, really sucked. I don't know what else to say, like from a technological <laughs> standpoint, like what they advertise versus what it actually offers is very, very, very limited. So we actually just did this huge migration project. Like we're almost done it at this point. And we have moved everyone onto a way better, more amazing platform. Like now everyone can talk to each other. They can search old articles and like search old discussions so that they can learn from like previous technical discussions people have had, et cetera, et cetera. And like, it's just, it's so, so, so much better. And so then when you have, so I think we have 180 people or 200 people in our, our community and we haven't been advertising it really at all because we knew we were going to do this migration. And it's, it's really exciting to see like people that want to stick with you and that each month decide to stay. Do you know what I mean? And having them tell a friend who then joins because we haven't been advertising. (laughs) Um, And that's super, super exciting. And also super selfishly, um, like I want to hang out in the community, (laughs) (laughs) right? Like, I mean, I use Twitter and other social media things, but part of like when you're a founder and you start your business, often you are starting a thing because you really, really wish that it would exist and you want to have it. And so like, for instance, Twitter, there's like a lot of people that um, aren't always, uh, let's say polite and kind to others or respectful. And so forming like a closed private community it's like well if you don't obey the code of conduct and you you know say a bunch of hateful things about you know whatever group of humans like i'm sorry but you've violated the code of conduct and we don't need your money bye absolutely (laughs) and and in that in that closed community people tend to be a bit more open as well you know i i I find they'll they'll share um a bit more they'll be a bit more candid you know and and more open and and clearly in in a smaller closed community as well it can it can really feel um, personal, and that you've 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 found a tribe, if you like, of people that you know believe what what you believe and care about the problems that you care about solving. Yes, yes, community is just such a wonderful, amazing thing, and um, yeah, I guess I had been building community around myself for years and not really thought of it being around myself. And I was like, no, I'm building the OWASP community. I'm building the WOSAC community. But then when I opened the We Hack Purple community, it was just like, oh, everyone showed up. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah. So that's fantastic. And we haven't mm-hmm. gone on to, we've, we've spoken generally here so far, but we haven't gone on to what, what it is that you, you do. So can you give a bit of a background on application security and your angle of it and the training that you provide? So application security is uh, the art or the battle or the field of making sure that software is secure. 
Um, so when I say software, like when you visit a website on the internet, most of the time it's not actually a website. Most of the time it's actually a web application, a piece of software. And when you're on your computer or your phone doing anything, all of those things are software. And so um, my specialty is helping people make sure that what they're doing is secure. And that can, so the program, our first program that we just released is how to be an application security engineer and how to plan out an entire program for a company and then launch it and make sure it's awesome. So part of the training, like we teach you what a program is and what all the components could be and then help you choose which ones are best for your organization and then actually create this giant detailed plan around it. So we teach you each new lesson. We're like, oh, do you think you should add this to your plan? <laughs> and so that by the end, you have this giant, completely detailed project plan to launch uh, your AppSec program or improve the one that you have. It's pretty fun. Um, and so we talk about like all the different things you need to do to reach out to software developers and teach them to make more secure software, like what all the tools are, when you would choose this tool or that tool, et cetera, um, how to get buy-in from upper management, because that can be really hard. Yep. And just basically all the things, what to do in an emergency. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the idea is, is that by the end of the program, you, you know how to run an AppSec program. Like you can go in somewhere and know what to do. And that's pretty exciting because all the training that I'd previously taken was how to hack this or how to hack that or threat modeling, um, which is super fun. It, but that's one small part of AppSec. And I've never found a program where it would teach me how to do my job as an AppSec engineer or how to switch into this field. Um, and I also, I wrote a book, um, which my publisher has informed me hit bestseller. Yay. That's brilliant. Thank you. It's called Alice and Bob Learn Application Security. And so it's the textbook for the course, but it's also just a book people can buy. And it's it's all the things. It's, you know, like in a book, you can go in depth in a way that you can't necessarily go in a video, if that makes sense. Like yep, here's a diagram, here's this, here's that. And so um, the book accompanies the course, which is awesome. And yeah, we're building a new program for next year, which is for software developers of how to how to write secure code and you know exactly what to do and why you need to do those things. And it's cute. Like some of our clients are like, can I pay for it now? <laughs> like, oh my God, this is so amazing. Just having your customers believe in you and give you good feedback over and over. Like and like, oh you know, I used this thing this week, Tanya, and it totally helped. I'm like, yes, 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 yes. That's what I want. I, I guess like I have a personality where I love helping. And yep. so, yeah, this is a pretty good job choice for me. And that's your niche, isn't it? It's like, you know, to have that, that security angle where you, you're clearly passionate about, about that. And then to combine that with helping people and businesses improve themselves mm -hmm. to make them secure, then that's, that's perfect. So I, I have a number of questions <laughs> going, going back on that. So, so your, your business and your course, who is the perfect customer for you? Is it, do you work with large corps or do you work with um, consultants that are, are looking to provide their services? And, you know, what's the, what's the business model for you? So as the startup people would say, we're B2B and B2C. 
Yeah. So we do, we serve large enterprises where they'll send their entire security team or they'll send all of their devs just on the first. So our program is a multi-part program. So they'll just buy the very first start of it and give it to all the devs. So the devs understand what the AppSec people are talking about, what they want from them and like when to do which thing. It's the first level is very foundational. Um, and we also have people come to us that like just, just regular customers. I, I would say like half of our, our income is from individuals that they want to become an AppSec engineer. They want to work in this field. It's often people who are software developers or who work in other areas of tech, like help desk, or perhaps they're a system administrator or network administrator, but most often software developers. And they're like, I am obsessed with the idea of making sure you know, the software I build is secure. I want to, I want to know everything. I want to know what to do. And this is what happened to me is I wanted to be a software developer, but that really, really knew security. And then the more that I learned about security, I was like, oh, forget software development. I want to work in security. And so I'm sort of like luring them over to the dark side. I'm like, look how fun this is. Look at how interesting that is. Whoa, join our field. Uh, I, I love it. And there's a, there's a lesson there as well in, in terms of the, the, the more you get involved in something, the more you'll find the specifics, the areas to focus on. Because say you, you started as software dev and then the eth ethical hacking side of things as well. But then the more mm -hmm. that the more you, you go down that route, the, it, it becomes clear, doesn't it? And it, it can often take a, a large amount of time and, and deep thought to work out, okay, what is the specific that I can, that I can do here? Yeah, I also think that um, a lot of people don't realize which jobs like which different types of jobs exist within security. So I wanted to be a penetration tester, also known as an ethical hacker, because that's what my two or three professional mentors did. But then I discovered that there's actually this part called application security, which is sort of halfway in between dev and security. And that I got to talk to devs all day. So like devs are my people. When I was trying to decide which program to take in university or college, I remember thinking the people I like the best are all the people in my computer science class. And that's who I want to work with for the rest of my life. It sounds weird to think as a teenager, but I thought about the people in my drama class. I thought about the people in my English lit class. I thought about like all the different classes. And I was like, I just feel like I really fit in here and solving problems was super fun and I'm like, I'm really good at it and I heard there's jobs, so I'm gonna try it. And then, well, obviously it's worked out pretty darn well. Um, <laughs> so We Hack Purple also has a podcast, which is free, um, that I started because a lot of people would tell me, oh, well, I wanna take this hacking course. And then we would talk and talk and talk and then it turns out they actually wanted to do application security. They just didn't know it existed. So the podcast is actually I interview basically super cool people that I admire in our field um, <laughs> about um, basically like what they do for a living, what their job is like, how, like what type of training they need to do their specific type of job. Like if someone wants to get into it, how could they do it? So it's, it's not just AppSec. Um, it's all different types of jobs like incident response or forensic investigations, what it's like to run a startup, what it's like to create a product. 
all of the different aspects of security. And so far it has been super fun and totally enlightening. And sometimes I'm like, wow, I wish I could have two jobs because that job's so cool. Yeah. And so um, it's sort of like my company's effort to try to help lots of people get into our industry, even if it's not through us, if that makes sense. It because does. Yeah, it does. Like uh, we're just probably going to stay mostly covering AppSec and then instant response and secure coding and like this niche that I'm good at, but I want everyone to join our field. <laughs> I love it. And and it's it's amazing how you say that in terms of the amount of roles that there are out there and and how specific it can get. You know, if you think back to when you're sort of seven years old, you know, everybody wants to be a doctor or a fireman or something along those lines because or a teacher, because they're the jobs that are most visible. And then mm-hmm. but it, it's amazing how how it can develop. And, you know, I, I've remembered speaking with people that have been in on work experience, you know, in, in previous roles that have, have said, you know, like wild eyed on their first day. I didn't know most of these jobs existed. And mm-hmm. it's, it, it's, it's absolutely true. And, you know, even within within a niche uh, that, that you clearly have, to be able to shine a light on that, I, I think is a wonderful thing. And, you know, for, for, for people considering starting on their own, either starting their own consultancy or or their own small business, um, I, I think, you know, whether it's in app security or in another field, I, I think that's, that's, that's a great lesson and, and takeaway there is to is to really dig and, and, and keep digging and, and find out what's there, uh, because there will be there will be the right answer. It, it's out there somewhere. <laughs> I agree with Rob, definitely. And if you can, try a little bit of each job. Um, I started a thing on Twitter a few years ago, and it's called Cyber Mentoring Monday. So every Monday, I tweet out that hashtag and say, are you looking for a mentor? Do you want a mentor? Reply to this thread. And so the information security community is just, they're so great. And so now there's several other people that all do it every Monday with me. And so then we retweet anyone that's using that hashtag. And we have paired, I don't even know how many hundreds, if not thousands of people together. And it has resulted in people finding jobs, people getting promotions, people switching from one field to another, and like just countless friendships. And it's just been so awesome to see someone say, you know, I'm an incident responder, but I, I want to know a lot more about, you know, forensics, let's say, in like this specific area. And then someone will say, hey, I work on that. Want to have a virtual coffee? And it's just been magical to see so many people connect and just receive letters of, you know, you just put out this little tweet and then I responded. And then like, here's the long story that happened over the next seven months. And now I'm here. And I'm just like, wow, it's amazing. Um, so if someone is interested in security specifically, feel free to like check out that hashtag and maybe find someone. So all these amazing selfless human beings are offering their time for free because they want more newcomers to our field and they want to help and they care so much. And so, yeah, I, it's wow. The industry has just like surprised me over and over again with their generosity. No, that's that's amazing, and it's it, as an outsider, it's an industry that's growing. I, I assume there's there's more more happening. You know, clearly there's more technology happening every day. You know, tech's coming into just about every angle of of life. So, what what direction do you see the industry going in over the next few years, and and opportunities for growth? Um, 
So the information security community, I or industry, I I suspect it's going to grow quite a bit, mostly because um, malicious actors, mostly thieves, but also you know nation states and other more serious situations um, have realized it's very profitable to attack businesses that are underprepared, and so. I think we're going to need to continue to ramp up our efforts to make things more secure. I am hoping that academia will pick up on this. So I have contacted many, many universities since uh, I started writing my book and since it's been published to offer it as like a, like for a course. And they all say, oh, that could be part of our cybersecurity program. And I say, yeah, for sure. But where I really want it is your computer science program and your software engineering program. You are right now teaching thousands of devs per year and graduating them with no skills of how to create secure software. My book teaches them how, and then they would go into the industry and be prepared. And they're all like, Oh no, we don't need to teach them that. Like literally university after university doesn't understand why they would teach security as part of, their core curriculum for people who are, they're teaching them how to build and secure software, essentially. Like if you look at the lessons from a security perspective, you're like, you can see like, oh, there's a big hole there. And that's how cross-site scripting happens. You're teaching them literally how to build it insecurely. And that's why we need to have it. Like, could you imagine, Rob, if we taught electricians how to do all the electricity and we taught them no safety whatsoever, and then houses just burnt down all the time because that's what's happening. Yep. When a small business gets hit by any sort of security incident, 50% of them go out of business. They can never recover. Well, 50% of small businesses. That is like a, a North American quote. So I'm not sure if the same number is in Britain where you are, but that's terrifying. I am a small business. Um, it really is. And so... We need to, if we're going to train people to create software, we need to train them at least the basics of how to make sure it's secure, in my opinion, which is obviously biased. <laughs> <laughs> but biased for good reason. And I think you've got, you've got a mission there, haven't you, that, that to, yeah. to take forwards and, and, to, and to get that, that established. You know, and um, yeah, and I wish you every success uh, with that and with everything that you're you're doing because um, I love it and I'm I'm energized listening to this as as a as a devout non techie and <laughs> it's it's, it's yeah. fascinating and um, yeah I'm one of those people that just just hopes this stuff works and kind of I, I think many small business owners will be in that position uh, where they they buy the software or acquire the software and just hope it will work you know not not really having any visibility of what's kind of under the hood. So, um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I wish you every success with, with that and, and helping those numbers are incredibly scary for, for small businesses and, you know, those that wouldn't necessarily have the budgets to necessarily, you know, overcome it. So uh, it's, it's absolutely fascinating and, and also very exciting for where you can take things in future. Hopefully. Yes. Brilliant. Well, before we finish, uh, so we could talk all day, uh, but we, we we should finish. So there's four questions that I, I ask all guests on the show. So uh, the okay. first one is, what's the one best piece of advice you give to somebody considering starting their own business? Definitely make sure that there is a market for the thing that you want to offer. 
So a minimal viable product is a really good way to do that, but make sure there's a market first. I've seen many people create a product because they think this tech is super cool or whatever, but there's no market and no one wants that and you're not solving a problem. You must yep. solve a problem with any business that you build. I love it. I think that's a, it's a wonderful point. And if, if the problem happens to be one that you specifically care about solving, uh, then that's going to set up the business in an, on an even stronger footing. But yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. being, being clear on your customers and solving something that somebody wants solved, <laughs> I think is, is wonderful advice. Mm -hmm. So thank you for that. Uh, so the second question is, what do you know now uh, that, that in hindsight you wish you knew when you started? So uh, when I chose the platform to build my courses on, I, I was really torn between two different platforms, um, but I chose the one that I had because they said they did online courses and they did like membership community stuff. And I was like, oh, I can get both things from the same place. That sounds easy, much easier to administer. Um, but it turns out that both were so limited. Now I'm doing this huge migration project to migrate the community. And then as soon as that's done, we're doing another migration project to move everyone over to um, like the new academy, which is just, it's got every bell and whistle I could have ever dreamed of, right? And the cost difference is something ridiculous, like $80 a month. It's nothing. Okay. Um, so if at all possible, um, don't, like, I, I don't mean that you should choose something that's thousands of dollars per month, but if the difference is 50 or $100, I would suggest trying really hard to make sure you're getting all the things you need rather than choosing the absolute cheapest product, which is hard because you're you're worried about money, right? Yeah, and, and you might not even know how things will develop. I think that's the, that's the challenge, isn't it? So it's it's yes. having that thinking ahead of time to go, okay, how can, not just now, but in six months or a year, 18 months, you know, how will the platform develop? Because migrations aren't nice, are they? You know, <laughs> as, oh as a, you know it's, uh, it's not a nice thing to have to, to have to do. So fair play to you for doing two back to back. Yeah, well, <laughs> because we realized just that we could do so much better by our, our customers by doing yep. this. I was like, I don't think we cannot do it. I don't think it's fair. <laughs> because I just didn't realize how limited our platform was until we started building more and more stuff. And um, yeah, now we're moving to the one that people all recommended at the beginning. <laughs> but lessons learned, right? If yep. you don't learn while you're doing business, you're definitely doing something wrong. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's always an opportunity, migration or otherwise, there's always a chance to, to rectify it as well. So, but, but definitely mm -hmm. best to get these things done up front. Um, so is there a resource uh, you'd recommend for those at the very start of their journey? So a, a book, a website, a podcast, anything that you found particularly useful? I would say two specific books that really helped me. One is Startup CEO, and it explained to me how to be a good leader, um, where you treat everyone in your company fairly and well and how to basically treat them in a way so they want to continue to keep working for you and all the different details of things you need to know when you start a startup company that like how, and specifically like the responsibilities as a CEO, because I was built to be a CTO, a chief technical officer. And so the, you know, doing payroll, for instance, is something that's very new to me. Um, 
but that's okay. I've learned all those things. And the other book would be The Lean Startup. That is such an incredibly, amazingly helpful book in learning how to start your company. And then the next book for, so I um, am not great at marketing. So it turns out like I'm really good at what is called the top of the funnel and I'm really awful at the bottom of the funnel. I get shy to ask for money, which a lot of people do. So this there's a book called Traction and it's about how to figure out ways to bring leads into your business uh, in a way that you feel good about. So like a lot of marketing books are how to manipulate people and pressure them and use fear, uncertainty and doubt and other things like that. But this is more like how to attract people to your business in a way where um, you feel good about it. Um, like I've fired a bunch of marketing consultants because I, I felt their advice. I would feel embarrassed by it. Does that make sense? Like I want to treat my customers always in a way where I would want to be treated. Absolutely. The, you know, this, this whole, the, the aspects of where you could try and kind of manipulate or trick somebody into buying something is, uh, is, is not the way forwards <laughs> in, in any way. So to, to have people on a, on, on the level where they're buying because they want something that you have to offer and that yes. everybody's kind of entering, entering into that kind of free relationship um, is, is great. And, and I think it's, yeah, I've, I've not read that book, so I look forward to, I'll have a look at that myself because I, I love the sound of that. It's such a good book. Like for instance, if, if you've decided to spend some money on advertising, you know, what we first did was please buy our course, but instead it's like, well, why don't we create really awesome content that offers value? Um, so we we're releasing a series of articles right now about how to convince your boss to approve training that you really want. And it's not just to get approved to come take our training. This can be used by anyone. So we feel it's of good value. And so then if you're going to spend money on advertising, advertise like the content that's free that helps many, many people. And then eventually, if they keep consuming your content and you keep offering value, they're like, well, gosh, they're pretty awesome. Maybe I should take their courses. As opposed to like what some people do where they're like, if you don't take this course, you know, you're going to fail your company and get fired, mm -hmm. uh, which yep. I feel is really ugly and not part of a business I want to be part of. Right. And so, Absolutely. yeah, the book is, I like their suggestions. And so that's really helpful. Um, and then I have two books to suggest if you are going to build a technical product. So if you are building a product, like a physical or like a, like a software or something. So if it's software, I suggest you read my book, Alice and Bob Learn Application Security, because it will teach you to make a secure product. And if you are going to build like any sort of software or technological product, I suggest the DevOps Handbook because it's how to create just like rock solid products that are in a really efficient and effective way. Um, DevOps is like a, a way of creating software and the DevOps Handbook is just, it's such a wonderful, amazing book. I wish that every software engineering student had to read it. It's really good. I did not write it. <laughs> there's some there's some brilliant suggestions there and i think a, a wide range as well and i, I think the, the the technical side of things even if someone isn't necessarily looking to go uh, down that route so having the awareness of of some mm -hmm. of these things can can really help um as well so it's uh yeah i, I think very useful for for people in a, in a number of fields so that's brilliant the the final Thank question you. uh is who would you recommend as a guest on a future episode of the show 
Okay, so there's two. I, I, I'm not sure if there's a number that I'm allowed to suggest, but I, I thought of two off the top of my head. So one okay. is Shira Shambam. So she, um, we're friends and she's just so incredible. She's such an amazing, fierce leader. And she started her own startup this year as well. And they create um, a cloud security product. And she's just her back. I had her as a guest on my podcast and she's just so amazing. Like she was an Israeli military commander. She like, just like her experience is just so wild and different and like what it's like for her to run a company. It's really cool. Um, and then the other one I would suggest would be Dr. Chensi Wang. Um, she is my professional mentor. Uh, she's incredible. Um, she founded her own venture capital fund that only funds cybersecurity startups. And she funds 50% female founded companies, which is quite a rarity. So she's like putting her money where her mouth is in regards to diversity and representation in a big way. And oh gosh, she's so successful. It's out of this world. She's And she's worked in security so long. So she has this really, really deep knowledge of the industry, but then her knowledge of like how to run a successful business has been very, very, very valuable to me. Um, yeah. I feel lucky to have both of them in my life giving me awesome advice. That's amazing. What what wonderful suggestions. So I'd I'd love to interview them both and to and to share their stories on the show. So uh so yeah, I look forward to getting in touch and, and hopefully making that happen. Thank you very much. Cool. And uh just finally, uh before we finish, if people want to learn more about you to get in touch, where should they contact? So I am very often on Twitter under my handle she hacks purple, and my company is we hack purple. Um, but basically like every single a uh, place that there could be a thing. I am there. So I have a YouTube channel under She Hacks Purple and I have a, I don't know, I'm on LinkedIn, but I'm not allowed connecting with people because there's a maximum number apparently, but you can follow me and I share lots of updates there. I have a blog on dev.to and on Medium. But basically, if you just look up She Hacks Purple, just all one word smushed together, every single thing you find will be me. Um, and I I share so much free content because I'm just constantly trying to teach people about security, even if it's just free lessons on our Twitter handle for We Hack Purple. We like have a little lesson we give for free every week and we quiz the, our followers too. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. I, I, I love it. Well, thank you so much uh, for your time today. It's been wonderful hearing your story. And uh, yeah, and I'm I'm excited about application security as well. I think it's uh, <laughs> words I never thought I'd say, but I, so I, I love the angle that you've come to it and the, the real community side of things and the, the power of how you've you're leveraging and and creating that community around it. So yeah, it's, uh, it's wonderful to hear. Thank you so much for having me on, Rob. This is awesome. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did, and a big thank you to Tanya. The conversation was recorded just before Christmas 2020, and I'm delighted to say I've since recorded a fabulous conversation with Shira Shamban, which will be published as episode 13 on the 9th of February. So I put a reminder in the calendar for that one. There was so much great stuff from Tanya. The power of community, her passion for her subject, and a desire to see others achieve, marked by her mission to get secure software development skills better factored into university courses. I salute her for this. If you're a student or work in higher education, Reach out to her and the decision makers to see if you can make a difference today. 
I also have a community, of course, the Project Future Club on Facebook, where we support one another to launch and build our own amazing businesses. If you're not a member, join today. You can also get your baseline via my three-minute quiz from my website, www.robkerr.co.uk. Join me next week for another international episode where I speak with my old friend Ryan Edwards on redefining innovation in the agri-food sector and beyond. Until next week, thank you for listening and keep on launching and building those amazing businesses.